This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, guest episode number 400. Wow, there's something here that is just so amazing. And then I just got to learn more and more about trade shows and what made them so magical. Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I'm so happy that you've joined me today, smack in the middle of what I know to be a super busy holiday selling season. Before we dive into the topic of the show, I want to make sure you're aware of a resource that I have for you. You'll find this particularly helpful if you have to delay your listening during seasons like this. In these past seven years, we've covered a lot of ground. How to start and grow your business, stories from many of you who have done just that, how to choose and use social media sites, build your website. Oh my gosh, there is so much information here for you, but not necessarily easily at your fingertips. So I've created a tool for you that categorizes by topic the episodes of this podcast, but only the ones that stay relevant over time. Because yes, there are some from past years that just don't make sense for us anymore today. The world is changing so fast, right? You can use this tool to zero in on whatever topic you need at the moment. Do you want to hear from others in your industry specifically? How about details on Pinterest or setting up an email strategy? You can now easily find the right episodes and create your own priority listening roster. Consider this your Gift Biz Resource Center at a glance. It's a Google Sheet best viewable by your computer versus your phone. Make sure to look on the bottom where there are five separate sections for easy topic reference, kind of like chapters of a book. I've never seen another podcast do this, and I wish they would. It makes finding the shows that you need based on what you're working on right now so much easier. To access this free resource, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash topics. Today, you've landed on part two of a back-to-back series I have on wholesale. If you missed last week's show, definitely go back and take a listen. It's not necessary to hear that one first, but these two episodes together will strengthen your understanding of different facets of wholesale and help you determine if it's something that you should go after this coming year. Perhaps you've already gotten started and have your products in several local boutiques. That's amazing and a huge congrats to you. Based on your product or company vision, local and regional retail shops may be how you'd like to continue. Or, depending on your product, you might want to find bigger wholesale opportunities. Either way, exhibiting at a trade show brings you face-to-face with buyers who are looking for new brands to include in their stores. But what's involved and how does it all work, specifically with trade shows? Today, I am so excited to share with you a conversation with Jim Cermak. 
Jim is a trade show trainer and consultant who helps businesses make more money at their shows and events. He's also the host of the Trade Show University podcast, where he and expert guests help exhibitors and show planners get better results. Jim understands that the investment of money, time, and resources is huge, and we need to make these shows work. Jim, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Sue, thank you so much. This is awesome. I am so excited to be here. Oh, me too. And I know this conversation is going to be so helpful and so interesting. I'm quite sure I will learn a thing or two, even though I've exhibited at shows for years. Yeah. You know, we never stop learning, right? Absolutely. I've just worked a show recently and there's definitely things that I came back with. I'm like, we got to do that different next time. <laughs> Ooh, okay. We're going to talk about those maybe. Before we dive into all of that, though, I have a traditional question for you. And this is something I started so long ago. It helps us know you in a way that's more creative. And that is having you describe yourself by way of a motivational candle. So if you were to think of a candle that really resonates with you, that would be the perfect match, what would it be like with a color and a quote or a saying? Okay, so the color would be like when you slice open a pineapple, that yellow color in the middle, that's what it would be. And the scent would be that tropical, fruity, pineapple, mango, papaya, maybe with a hint of ocean breeze thrown in there, but something tropical because that is my relaxation, my motivation place whenever I need to get inspired. I think of that. I love the beach. I love anything tropical. So, and every Friday is Tropical Friday at my house. We play steel drum music all day long. So it's awesome. No way. Where are you in the world? I am in Cleveland, Ohio. So very not tropical. Oh, wait a minute. Very not <laughs> <Mismatch>. tropical. <laughs> well, that's why I do it. I do it to escape a little bit. And when the weather is absolute garbage outside, like it is during the winter, usually, I just put that on. If someone walks into my office and I'm not playing steel drum, they're like, what's going on? What's the matter? What's happening? <laughs> it just becomes a Friday tradition. I love that. You know, they always say like when you start to meditate or they say before you start journaling or things like that is put yourself in that special place that you create just for yourself, even if you aren't physically living there, yeah. right? To put yourself in that mindset and envision yourself in that space. And that's, this is yours. There you go. This is my space. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm ready to be there with you because I love the idea of tropical and all of that yeah. too. So oh, perfect. Yes. So good. And just for everyone who's listening here, we are also videoing because I find it's easier to interact with guests when we are able to see each other. And both Jim and I are in like tropical-ish orange today. <laughs> Yes. We must have planned this on purpose. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it too. So share with us how you got into trade shows and where that interest came from and a little bit of your past. Yeah. For someone to have an unhealthy uh, relationship with trade shows like I do, <laughs> or an obsession, I should say, it started way back. One of my first jobs out of college, I worked for Fannie Farmer Candy Company. Anyone who remembers Fannie Farmer Candy, I was an iconic brand way back in the day. And I was in the product development and marketing department. And I was told by my boss, hey, we're going to the candy show in Philadelphia. And I was like, 
okay, great. I had no idea what the candy show was. All I knew was I got to travel, which was pretty cool. And there was no internet back then. So that was back in the early 90s, like 1990 or 91, I think it was actually. So I couldn't go on the internet and find out what is this thing that I'm going to. had no idea. So I went along for the ride. I got there and I was absolutely blown away. And it was this massive, I don't know how big it was, but one of those massive trade shows with candy vendor after candy vendor and then everything that went around it. So there was people in the gift business, you know, they were putting together candy baskets and boxes and all sorts of things. And being a marketing guy, I was just enamored with the sites, the packaging, the colors. And then obviously people handing me samples nonstop all day was uh, not a bad thing either. So I just fell in love with the entire experience. And then fast forward a couple of years and I switched companies. I made that natural jump from candy to over the road trucking. <laughs> oh, very natural, Jim. <laughs> yes, very natural. And so I was told, hey, we're going to this trucking expo. And I'm thinking, oh, this is just going to be dreadful compared to candy. I got there and it was the same energy. It was the same kind of environment. It was a completely different industry, but I had all these people that wanted to talk and they were excited about their companies, excited about the services and the products. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, there's something here that is just so amazing. And then I just got to learn more and more about trade shows and what made them so magical. But I just fell in love with them there. And I've since then have planned or worked at hundreds of trade shows of all types and sizes from little small community expos to multinational shows. And there's an overlapping success pattern for all of them. So whether you're working a big show or a small show, the same elements of success are present, which I have found is just so it enabled me to be able to help others. So that's what I've been doing for this past 30 plus years of this experience. And I just want to share. And so that's why I started the podcast because I go to shows and I see companies that they are doing things wrong. They're leaving money on the table. They're not doing themselves a service and they're not doing their audience a service either by doing things incorrectly. And so that's why I started the podcast to really help. I want to give and I want to help people get better and help businesses get more out of their investment. So there's a long-winded answer to <laughs> my background and why I love shows. It's perfect. And you're leading me right into my first question. So you couldn't have planned it better. But I do want to frame the conversation for everyone who's listening here. So what we're really going to be talking about today, because we talk about shows a lot here, Jim, on the podcast, but we're not talking about craft shows and direct-to-consumer shows today. We're going to be talking about trade shows defined as wholesale. So if you are someone who is looking at starting to get your product into local boutique shops or some of the bigger guys, then you would go to a trade show and you're selling to a different person, right? Then you sell to at a consumer show. At a consumer show, you're selling to the end consumer, the person who's going to be buying and using your product. At a trade show, you're selling to a store owner who's going to display your product and sell to their customer. Just want to lay the groundwork here. Jim, I'm sure you could speak to both, but like that's how I want to frame it or else we're going to be talking for many, many, many hours because <laughs> there's so much <laughs> uh, yes. to talk about. Plus, it's easier to channel things you know, into certain segments so that we keep the understanding. Yeah, absolutely. So what I love about your experience is you've done so many different types of shows covering so many different types of themes that 
I'm really interested to hear what you see are the similarities, especially in terms of the mistakes that people make. So I think let's start with that. Like, what are you seeing that people could be doing better? Let's go that way. Okay. Because the first thing you're doing right is going to a show, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe you didn't get the right show, but you may tell me that. Okay. So what are some common themes, like the biggest mistakes that you're seeing people making? Wow. Biggest mistakes. I would say number one, and this is not evident to anybody at the show. Oh, I'm so curious. There's so many companies that do not set goals. They don't set goals for what do they want to accomplish? Because when you think about it, at the end of the show, people have a feeling more than data. They have a feeling that was a good show or that was a bad show. And when I press people on that question and I say, well, what made it good or what made it bad? And they're like, well, yeah, we didn't get that many leads. Well, how many did you get? Uh, I don't know. Well, what was your goal? Uh, and they never set goals. And so you don't know if you had a good or bad show until you get to the end of it and you have something that you could actually measure. But what do you set goals on? I mean, there's so many things, but at the very basic, you've got to have a metric, one thing that is going to be your main metric for the show. For most businesses, unless you could sell right there at the show, and maybe that's what your thing is, you're writing orders and you're in front of those wholesalers, they're walking in front of you and those retailers and they're ready to buy, they're ready to make commitments, then maybe that is your metric is dollar sales or cases sold or number of products sold or something like that. Maybe that is your main metric. But for most businesses, there's going to be a follow-up process. And so you need to make sure that your main metric is qualified leads, qualified leads. And I know, Sue, you know all about this is about qualified leads because we get leads. We can easily get leads by having a fishbowl there where people could throw in a business card or you have a badge scanner. You could just scan every badge of someone walking by. And a lot of companies look at those and go, oh, we got a hundred leads. Great. But then when you go to follow up with those, you find out that 95 of those are people that will never buy from you. They were just there at the show and they're not qualified. They're not in your industry. They're not your target audience, whatever the case is. So you've got to make sure that they are qualified. And so how do you do that? You have to take people through a process of qualifying them at the booth. And that doesn't mean that you're having them fill out applications and things like that to make sure that they fit the credit profile or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just getting to that, the basics of, I'll give you an example. Early on in my career, I worked for a consulting company and we only did consulting work for manufacturing companies in Northern Ohio. Very, very specific market. We were at a large national show. And so it's very easy to get into conversations with manufacturers about their processes and their manufacturing and all this stuff. But if they weren't located in Northern Ohio, we didn't want to talk to them. And so you had to ask that question. Are you a manufacturer? Yes. Okay. Where are you based? Where are you located? Oh, I'm in Detroit. Ah, sorry, I can't help you. Oh, I'm in Cleveland. Oh, fantastic. Great. And then you can lead them into a conversation about what you offer and find out also another mistake that companies make is they immediately dive into their 30 second or 60 second or 15 minute pitch about their products and their services without asking questions. You've got to ask questions. You've got to find out who's in front of you. What are their needs? What are they looking for? What are their big issues and their struggles? And where's the opportunity there? So make sure you're asking them these questions before you dive in. 
but make sure they get qualified first because you don't want to be spending a lot of time talking to and not just the company. You want to qualify the company. That's number one. Number two, you want to find out who am I talking to at this company? Okay, I've qualified the company. They buy products that I sell or they're a retailer that I want to get my products into. But maybe I'm talking to a part-time clerk who just happened to be at the show because they wanted to see what was going on in the industry, but they have no decision-making ability. You want to find that out as well. And maybe the owner of that store just happens to be a couple of booths over and that's the person you really need to talk to. So make sure you are finding that out or who is the decision maker. You don't want to blow off the person or make them feel unimportant or anything like that, but wow, fantastic. But you know what? Who is the decision maker at your company? Oh, that's Joanne is two booths down. Can I, why don't you go grab her and come on back? And then that way I'll make sure that I give you the right information. So you're qualifying the, the company and then you're qualifying the person and getting to that decision maker if that's who you need to talk to. Would you not say that once you know, to your point about understanding who it is that you're talking to, mm -hmm. even if this isn't the full decision maker, there are some questions that you can ask them first before you go off to get the other person Absolutely. because they are probably in a position, they want to show that they're important. They have inside information of what they're probably looking for. So you can garner so much good information from that other person. And I've had this happen at my booths too. Like they're kind of filtering the booths where they want the decision maker to come back to. And if you get to the point where that decision maker comes back, you've already talked to that first person and know what's important for that decision maker to hear. Right? Yep. I'm sharing with everybody just my thoughts as you're talking is you don't want to discount and not show number one importance and right. find out everything you can from that person and build a relationship with them because they could be a gatekeeper down the road too. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Like you said, so key, make them feel important because they are, they are, they're a human being. They're in front of you. They're interested. They're talking to you and you could ask them all those basic questions about the company. So when you have that decision maker in front of you, you're not taking all their time asking them basic questions. You have gotten a little bit further down the road and you could dive right into, I was talking with Mary and she said that you really have some struggles and some issues. Are you looking for this type of product? You've never had anything like what we have before. Then you can build on that conversation and get to a place quicker. You can get to your good conversation quicker. Here's a question for you. Yeah. And I don't know what you're going to say about this, but I always find that the higher up someone is in the business, the more direct they want you to be with the answers. True. They don't want to take all this time and go back to the beginning and learn how your business started or like, you know, like all these other more, they're important to us, but I'm not going to say kind of fluffy things unless they ask you, right? I find the higher up, you want to get more direct to the point, more succinct, tell them what they're asking to know first. And if they want to know more, if they want to back it up, fine, but be very cognizant about answering their questions. Would you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And obviously a lot of it, if you're familiar with the personality profiles, the disc model, you have a lot of business owners that are high D personality, which means they're driven. They're that give me the facts and let's move on. I don't want a lot of chit chat. I've got a lot to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I'm only going to spend my time at places that I'm really, really interested in, in finding out more information and give them, be very short, very succinct with your answers. And you should be asking them more questions. What are you looking for? Why the, what I have intrigue you? 
what is it about? Is there something else that you're currently carrying that mine I can replace, or would this be a supplemental to what you currently offer? Ask them some good questions, but don't think that you're going to get into a long conversation and definitely don't dive into a 15 minute spiel about what you've got to do and try and walk them all around your booth unless they're ready for that. Yeah. Unless they give you the indication that they want that. Absolutely. I think another thing that you said that was really important is make sure you understand why they're coming to your booth. I'm freshly back from our most recent show, which you'll love, was the Philly Candy Show. (laughs) No way. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. But our booth, we've kind of gotten to the point where people know, like if they're customers of ours, they know they can use it as a home base. Like if they want to drop their coat, their stuff behind (laughs) our thing, like, you know, we love you. We know you use us as a home base. This one woman comes back and she's like, can I believe it? She says, two rows down, there's this new company and I'm really interested in their product. I go up to ask my questions and she pulls out her pad and is like, okay, you ready to place an order? Oh, not even hi, not even who are you? It's like order taking. Wow. And she said, I just walked away. Like that was such a turnoff. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's just bad training. (laughs) That's bad training for your booth staff. Yeah. My goodness. That could be a complete turnoff forever. Forever. Well, I tried to say, you know what, go back and give it a chance. Like maybe she thought you were someone who she was talking with earlier. You're like, maybe. (laughs) I don't know if she did or not. (laughs) Give them the benefit of a doubt. Yeah. Okay. So are there any other signs or signals or something else that you suggest we watch out for not to do? Yeah. And I'm sorry, I went, but go back to the goal setting, you know, make sure that you are setting goals, not just for what you're trying to accomplish, but set goals to do other things at the show. This is another big mistake that I see. Another big mistake is that there's some people that never leave their booth. And I understand that sometimes you could be at a show that is wall to wall, crazy busy the entire time. And if you're working the show by yourself or you have a small team, then maybe you're stuck there. Maybe that's all you can do. And then I would say plan to get to the show early, like before it opens and just walk up and down the aisles and make note or take pictures with your phone of booths that you want to come back to and have a conversation with later. Oh, there's someone that I can partner with on because they have a a product that I would like to include in our offering. Or maybe there's a company that could be a vendor or maybe there's, oh, there's our competitors. Oh, I need to take pictures of their booth and maybe get grab some of their literature do that competitive information. Take a look at, wow, I love how their booth is laid out. I love how they use the colors. Take pictures of that. Do your research and take it back with you so you can make changes going forward. But don't make that mistake of not leaving your booth. If you can do it during the show, then do that. Get out and walk around and engage with people and make those key connections and network however you can. And this goes to another thing that I see a lot is that Especially, and Sue, I'm sure you've been a veteran of multi-day shows. And that last day is typically a daw. It is just a big dud. It's horrible. uh, (laughs) It's awful. And you're there for several hours and you're like, nobody's here. Half the people left already. And so I would say, everyone, have a plan for when the show is slow. Because it will be slow at some point. And so at that point, and maybe you have three or four people on your team that are going to be there and you say, okay, when the show is slow, I will stay here at the booth or two of us will stay here at the booth. The other two, I want you going and you need to meet with these four companies and make a contact. 
and you go and take pictures and engage with our competitors. And you over here, go and find the rep from the industry association and find out if they're having any breakout sessions or talks about industry trends. So give people things to do and take advantage of all that the show is offering and all those connections that you could possibly make and network like crazy when you're there, because that's where our opportunities come from. You never know when you can make that connection. And don't look at your competitor as, oh, I will never talk to them unless <laughs> something bad happened between you. But look at them as a possible friendly competitor and go and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Jim from Trade Show University. I noticed you do trade show consulting as well. I'd like to introduce myself. I think it's fantastic what you're doing. I think it's a, just talk to them about your business because you never know when an opportunity will come along. I've worked for companies before that were manufacturing companies that all of a sudden got a huge, huge order. And that we couldn't fulfill in time. But since we had friendly relationships with some of our competitors, we were able to reach out to them and say, hey, can you do some private label manufacturing for us? And if that wasn't there, we never could have made that good connection or would yeah. have taken a lot longer to get to that point. So to get outside your booth. That would be another thing. Yeah. And, you know, if you're slow, everyone else is slow, too. Right. Yep. And so that's an excellent use for the third day because you can't do it the first few days because if they're active in their booths with potential customers, you can't go in and interrupt them. That would be horrible. Right. Right. You know what else I do on the third day? Depending on the show, that's another idea for everybody. I'll go on Facebook and do a live show. I'll just say, hey, I'm here at the show. It's the last day. Last days are typically slow. I'm going to walk you up and down the aisles and show you behind the scenes of the show. And then I'll go up and down the aisles and find those people that you're talking about, Jim, and say, hey, I'm on live. I'd like to introduce my audience to your business and your booth. And then yeah. like you kind of do a little impromptu if they're interested and willing. I think in the whole time I've done that, I've had one person say no. But you're offering up more value to them, too, by doing that. Yes. Love, love, love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Get creative. Yeah, it just depends on the show, but at least then you're being productive with your time. And I think that's huge, Jim, because you know if you have like a half a day or even sometimes those last days are, they usually end early afternoon, but they're still like, I don't know, five, six hours, do something that you can only do at the show. Like, don't you see a lot of people who will sit then behind their booth on their phone, just oh, sitting on a chair yes. doing nothing? <laughs> like use those hours for something better than that. You never know what's going to come of it. Absolutely. So I love that you bring this up. Yeah. Another thing that I would say is I see a lot of people, a mistake that they made, some kind of a minor mistake. But if you're planning on going to the show and there's certain customers you know are going to be there or prospects that you would love to connect with, don't wait till you get to the show to try to book a time with them. Do it ahead of time. Reach out to them. If you don't know who they are, connect with them on LinkedIn. That's usually a great way or go to their website and try to get in touch with them somehow and say, Hey, are you going to be in Philadelphia for the candy show? Would love to have you stop by our booth. Or if you have time, let's grab a coffee. I would love to talk to you and learn more about your business and fill up your calendar before you get to the show. Because once people get to the show, they are inundated with opportunities. They're inundated with networking events and after hours and lunches and dinners and all sorts of things. And if you're not well-planned and well-prepared, you could be stuck having dinner by yourself every night when you could have been with a possible major prospect of that uh, store, or that chain that you're trying to get your products into. But do that research ahead of time and fill up your calendar. Mm -hmm. What do you think about 
emailing people who are on your list who might have been at the show the prior year? I mean, any type of thing? Oh, yes. Any pre-show marketing you can do to get people to your booth is phenomenal. So if you know people have been at the show before, or maybe they've never been to the show, but you're like, they should be at the show. And mm. maybe send them a little notice that, hey, are you familiar with this show? And maybe they're not even in that direct industry, but because they have ties to it, you know, Sue, you're not in the candy industry, but because your product serves people in that industry, that's a great place for you to be. So everyone that's listening, I want you to think about that as well. It's like maybe a baby fair or a wedding event, bridal event might not be something that you're thinking about because your product isn't hundred percent right on, on par with that, but you might be the only gift business at that event. If you're trying to get to, obviously that's more of a direct to consumer play, but think about outside of the industry, you can make a huge splash if it makes sense. If your target audience matches the audience that's going to be there at the show. So really do your research and figure out what else is available to you to make sure that that's the right show for you. Well, how do we do that? What are some tips of finding the right show? Finding the right show. You'll hear what Jim has to say about this right after a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Oh, great question. And I just did a video recording, a video training on how to pick the right show. So that's a perfect Ooh. segue into Ooh. that. So I am happy to offer that to anybody. All you have to do is sign up for my email newsletter and you get immediate access to this video training. It's brand new and it's absolutely 100% free. And I go through the seven questions of how to make sure you're at the right show. So how do we sign up for your newsletter and get that? So just go to my website, which is tradeshowu.biz. So that's tradeshow, the letter U dot B-I-Z. Right there on the homepage, there's a place for you to scroll down and add your email address. And you'll get an email back from me with a link to the training. Super simple. Okay, so will you give us a teaser of yes, maybe a couple absolutely. of the questions? Okay. <laughs> so the first question is, what's your purpose for being there? What's your purpose for wanting to exhibit at a show? And that comes back to, I'm looking to make sales, or I'm looking to break into a new industry. I'm looking to do, just get a bunch of leads, whatever it is. And it could be, I think also, I want to increase my wholesale by getting placement in three new boutique shops. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be overall sales numbers. It could be the number of new places where people can run into and see your product. So, so many different ways. So you can think outside the box about that. 
Absolutely. So yeah, so that's the first thing you just understand, why am I going? And then talk to the show organizer or whoever it is that is your contact at that show and say, this is the reason I want to come to your show. Is, is this the right show for me? And please be honest with me, because if this isn't the right show, I have a limited budget and I need to find the right show. And you won't be back again. If it's the wrong show, you're not coming back. Exactly right. So do your research, ask the right questions, figure that out first. And is that show a good match for what you're trying to do? And maybe you're saying, I need immediate cash. I need to sell, sell, sell on there. I need to write orders as many as I can because we have a huge uh, Christmas season coming up and I need that cash to fund all those orders. So if that is a show that you're going to where people typically don't place orders, then that's not a good show for you because you're going to be sorely disappointed with doing all the follow-up and all that is necessary. So again, going back to that very first thing is make sure you understand what's the reason why you're going. And if you don't know, then really think about it and figure out why are we going to this show? The reason for shows can be a million different reasons why you're going for branding, for exposure, because my competitors are there. There's a ton of reasons, but make sure you have that dialed in. Second thing is you want to make sure your target audience is going to be there. And again, make sure that this is right. I'll give you an example. So this is obviously not the uh, gifting industry, but I was working with a company that was an upfitter or a builder of emergency vehicles. Think ambulances, wheelchair vans, things like that. And they were going to this big EMS show. They went all in, brought vehicles and stuff like that. 90% of the people at this show were firefighters and EMTs. Wonderful people, but they're not the people that they needed to talk to for. They were there because they had all sorts of CEU credit classes that they needed to keep up their certifications. And so that was just a bad fit. And it was a multi-day show. And it was just the whole time we just felt defeated because there was nobody there that we, you know, every once in a while, someone would walk past or, oh yeah, you need to talk to my boss. He's here, you know, look for this guy. And so make sure your target audience is going to be there. So not just the companies, because that's what we got drawn in by was, oh yeah, there's going to be fire departments and municipal agencies and all this. And we're like, great, that's who buys our stuff. But you need to make sure that the people who actually are making those decisions for buying your stuff are actually there. Excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's two of the seven questions. I can give you a couple more if you'd like. Give us a couple more. Okay. <laughs> I want everyone to hear how you expand on each of them, but yeah, give us just one or two more. Okay. So say just from the target audience, say you've dialed in and go, okay, yeah, the target audience I know is going to be there. Now you have to ask a follow-up is, okay, is this the right show? I've found a show where my target audience is going to be there, but is it the best show for me? Because I can only do one, or maybe I can only do two, or... This show is great. Are there others like it? Because I'd like to do multiple shows this year. Then start doing your homework and figure out what other shows in the industry. And by doing that is not asking the person at the show, hey, what other shows are available? But see who else is exhibiting there that looks like you, that's a company like yours. And then maybe reach out to them and say, hey, we have similar products. You know, it might not be a direct competitor, but they have similar products. Reach out to them and say, do you do other shows and let them tell us, oh yeah, you've got to be at this show. You've got to be at that show. And then th they can tell you that, or just start, obviously the internet is a huge wealth of information on what shows are available that you could find that'll match your target audience. So make sure you're at the right show or that 
there's other opportunities for you because if you can only do one show, maybe you do one that's larger or one that's closer to home that you could save some money because we could drive to that one instead of having to fly and ship everything. We can take it ourselves. So whatever it is that that makes the most sense for you is going to be the right show. Bring it home with one more. Make it a goodie. <laughs> okay. So another thing that, and I've seen this mistake happen many times, is that make sure you understand your budget and does your budget match what you're going to be spending at the show. I see a lot of businesses get enamored with, they're like, oh, the booth is going to cost me $3,000. Oh, great. $3,000. We can afford that. And then they commit to the booth and then they find out, well, we need electricity. Oh yeah, that's going to be an extra few hundred dollars. We need carpet. Oh, carpet's not included? What? Oh yeah, that's going to be an extra $800 for your booth. Oh, okay. Well, what about table and chairs? That's included, right? No, no, you have to rent those. And so make sure you understand all the fees. So an all-in price just for your show. Okay, so now you've got that number. Okay, we're still in our budget. Fantastic. Okay, now how many people are you sending to the show? Travel costs to go to the show. If it's something you have to fly to, you got to rent cars, you got to get Ubers, you got to have meals, hotels. Now, and you have to ship all your stuff out there too. So all the stuff that you're going to be displaying, your banners, your product samples, all that has to be shipped out to there. You've got to figure all that in because that's part of the cost. That's part of the overall cost. And it can, on the surface, could look like, wow, this is going to be a huge win for us. But now all of a sudden, your $3,000 show is now a $10,000 show or a $12,000 show or even bigger. And now you're like, oh, shoot, how much do we have to sell? from that show to just break even. Mm -hmm. And is it possible? Now you're going back to the show and going, okay, how many people are you expecting? <laughs> and how many of those are really good decision makers? And then you could say, oh, so if I sold to 10% of those, okay, that would be good. Okay. My average order size is this. And you have to know your numbers. You have mm -hmm. to know what and how far down you can get people into the sales funnels through the sales process. Can you get them all the way to the sale? Just get them to where they're a qualified lead and you follow up later. You need to know all that kind of stuff, but it comes back to what's your budget? Do you have the budget? And then can you get an ROI on that budget? Yeah. I'm also thinking for people who we're talking big shows now too. Yeah. Like if I bring this back to someone who's a smaller business owner, maybe one woman show, maybe they have several employees, but still very small. Yeah. This may be the very first wholesale show they're going to because they're interested now, you know, they've built the business up to a point where they're ready to take wholesale placement. Another thing I think is important. I'm going to bring up the topic and I'll let you talk to it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Because I could see with people who are listening here where they may not recognize the need to do this is some of your promotional materials might need to be reprinted and changed because you're not talking to your end user you're talking to someone and trying to convince them that they should carry your product in their store. So all the promotional materials that you have or the things that they're requesting are different than if up to this point you've been at a craft show selling directly to the consumer. Super, super important and great, great point. Yeah, you have to be talking to your audience and you have to understand who is your audience and what are they experiencing right now? Right now, we've got a lot of companies that didn't even survive coming through COVID. Mm -hmm. 
And so now you have maybe a smaller number of companies that you're going to be trying to sell to. What are they experiencing? What are they experiencing right now? And understand that. And how can your products meet their needs? So you've got to change. Maybe all the pictures are the same, but you've got to change what you're saying because the benefits to a wholesaler is way different than a benefit to the person who's going to actually receive and enjoy your product. So you have to understand, what are they looking for? Are they looking for drop shipping opportunities? Are they looking for other special promotional pricing? Are they looking for short lead times? What is it they're looking for? Then you got to put that into your talking points, like Sue said, on your literature. Reprint that literature or maybe you add a couple, if you have pull-up banners or a backdrop or some other pieces of display that the, you're highlighting things that are very, very important to your target audience, mm -hmm. the people that are going to be there at that show. So when they're walking past and they're making the determination, do I want to stop at that booth? Because at these gift shows, every booth is inviting. Every booth looks amazing because you're really going to put out your best stuff and you're going to make it look fantastic. But people typically don't have time, especially at the larger shows. They don't have time to stop at every single booth. So why do I stop at yours? What is it that you're offering that nobody else is offering that your competitor is going, I can't believe they're saying that. I can't believe they're doing that. How can you set yourself apart in a special way and shout that from your literature, shout it from your banner, shout it from your display pieces. It's just super, super important to talk their language so that they're going, yes, finally a company that gets it, that understands the issues that we're having right now. And everyone's dealing right now with lead times, with supply chain issues. So if you can say, hey, we've got product in stock, ready to ship and ready for you. Boom, you may have just hit a real hot button for a buyer in a chain of stores that you've been dying to get into. Yeah. I mean, even your local boutiques, like this is a huge issue right now because some things that people might have bought at trade shows back in January and they're expecting it to come in for the holidays might not make it in time. I remember last January, do you guys remember there were stores selling things super cheap? And that's because they had all this inventory that they had bought for the holidays that never arrived in time for them to sell. So especially if you're a local maker, similar to if you're walking into a local, even if it's a one location boutique and you'd like to have placement in there, these are the same types of things then that I think you would be talking about in the booths, right, Jim? Like, you know, I'm right in Ohio. If you are local here, I am right here. I can help you out. We've got inventory. I make right in the same state as you even. So you won't have to worry about that. But I think this is a huge one right now. And then also, wouldn't you say, again, very product-based here, having a sell sheet ready that talks to, you know, if you're going to sell product in cases, is it a case of six? Is it a case of 12? Is it a case of 36? And what's the price for that? What are minimum orders? All of that type of thing you'd have to have ready and printed out. I know that's something I learned early on because I didn't have it in the beginning. What are all the products you sell and what are the price points of everything? And if I want to buy in bulk, what would that look like? And have all that thought out before you're asked and don't have it. Yeah. And one thing I would say is if you have a pretty diverse product line, a big product line, 
don't have individual sell sheets for every single product there at the show because then it just gets cluttered. Then you need a whole big catalog. <laughs> yeah. Or even a small catalog where you're breaking things down, but make it very simple for people to find one thing that they take with them because then otherwise you and your team, when you're going, Hey, where's that sell sheet on this product? I can't find it because there's 30 sell sheets out there and you're making it confusing for the attendees as they're walking past trying to figure out what they want. And if it's too much and it's overwhelming, they're going to keep walking and you want to make sure that they stop that you get mm -hmm. those good conversations. Something that you mentioned about the case pricing, things like that. Again, it's understanding what are they looking for? Make it super simple. And basically you're screaming, I am so easy to do business with you. I am going to make your holidays the best ever or whatever it is. I'm going to be the best vendor you've ever had. Okay. And mm -hmm. here's the reasons why, because you know what I offer upon receipt of that first order, we're going to jump on zoom with your team and I'm going to walk them through the products and how to sell it and what customers are looking for. Maybe go a little above and beyond by offering training, but make it simple to do business with people and let them know how that works. Mm -hmm. No, really, really, really good point. Making it easy, keeping it concise with your messaging and giving them what they need to know, you know, not the whole thing, but what they need to know. Yeah. So for someone who's just starting to dip their toe into wholesale and now they're considering doing a show, how do we know if we're ready? Like, what should we be looking at and reviewing for ourselves to know if we're ready for a show? And it might even be a small regional wholesale show, you know, not necessarily a big national show. The way I would look at it is am I ready for best case scenario? Am I ready for someone to come up and go, wow? This is fantastic. I want to order. How quickly can I get this product? And you are waiting on huge lead times where you won't be able to fill those orders right away, unless it's something that's very common in the industry. But if you can't be set up for being able to turn around and have customers or prospects that you meet at the show, having them happy that they met you, then maybe you're not ready. If you have to disappoint people, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm showing you all this great stuff, but you can't get it. I guess this is kind of the way I would say it. Maybe that's not the place. Maybe you're not ready for the show. Mm -hmm. But okay, if you have the budget set aside, because these shows are expensive, we already went through some of the costs. So if you have the budget and you're ready to say, okay, if we get good orders, if this is a huge successful show for us, are we happy or are we terrified? <laughs> because mm -hmm. how are we going to do what we just promised we were going to do? So make sure you were doing that. That speaks to don't go to a huge show if your production, because part of this is you don't want to make more than you are going to hopefully sell either. Mm -hmm. And right. then based on your product, something that takes a couple of weeks, if you have a curing as part of the process or they're one-offs, so they take a long time to make, you want to think through all of that too. And then decide which types of wholesale shows are actually right for you. If you sell fine art, and so each of your pieces is unique, and it takes several days to make, or weeks, you know, depending on what your product is, you're not selling them, number one, in cases anyway, right? You're selling single placement in boutiques, probably. Mm -hmm. So that might not be the best example here, but just make sure that your product production matches what potential orders could look like. And of course, having pricing in line, right, Jim, having yeah. all your prices set for wholesale and how those correspond with retail, 
we've done shows on that already. So you can go back and look at that. DM me if you don't know which episodes. Actually, no, go to giftbizunwrap.com forward slash topics, and you'll be able to find the episodes that talk to that. To that point, just not to cut you off, but make sure you are priced for profit. I've seen way too many, especially smaller companies that they get in and their retail, you know, the retail price to the end consumer might be $99, but they're wholesaling it at like $29. But it, their costs are so huge and the, the labor amount and everything, but they're just trying to get in the door and they price themselves so low just to get the orders, but they're not going to make any money. Because they're probably not even making it for that. Right. And so they get frustrated. And I've seen this, especially with a lot of creators, artists, they don't put a value on their time. My paints, my canvases, these things, they cost this much. So as long as I can recoup that, I'm fine. What about the 12 hours it took you to create what went on that canvas and to, to actually put it together, you know, the finished product? Don't discount your time. Make sure you are charging enough so that at the end of the day, you are happy and you're thrilled to do that show again and not go, oh, I lost so much money or I can't even pay my bills. Right. (laughs) No, so true. Jim, thank you for underlying again. Like anytime I hear someone reinforcing that, I'm like, yes, because I agree (laughs) with you. And then you're going to be out of business so fast because you're not making any money. You know, you're not even making enough money to cover your costs, much less invest in a business or the shows, really. Yeah. There's a reason why it's called starving artist. I mean, that's a (laughs) real thing. That's a real thing. It's true. There's so many artists and creators and crafters that have to work full-time jobs just to support what their passion Mm -hmm. is. Get it to the point where your passion can support you. Ooh, that's a quote, Jim. I like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why don't you lay on us a couple more ending words of wisdom about trade shows and tell us why you love shows and why you think we could fall in love with trade shows as well. Oh, yes. Well, I would say do your homework so you know what you're getting into. And maybe your first show, go walk it. You don't get a booth. You don't exhibit, especially if it's a big show. And then look at and go, what am I getting into? Is this really for me? Let me look at how other people are exhibiting and displaying. And you can go up there and you can start talking to people and see how they present themselves. So you could use that as a huge learning experiment, especially if you're going from that local show up to a national show. It's not the same. (laughs) It is not the same. So make sure you're doing your homework. And for a lot of companies, I tell them, let's walk this one. Let's just walk this show and it's time to learn Mm -hmm. so that that's an investment in your next show. And so that is something that I would definitely say is a good opportunity for those companies that are looking into shows, maybe for the first time or looking to up level from local to regional to national or whatever, and take that time, especially if you're nervous, you're unsure about everything and go learn. Mm -hmm. Go learn. And the first place to go learn is from your seven questions. <laughs> yes. Tell us again where we can go grab those. At tradeshowu.biz. That's tradeshowtheletteru.biz. And right there on the homepage, you'll probably have one of those little fun boxes pop up on the screen that says, hey, there's a free training. And you just drop your email right in there. And if that doesn't come up, then just scroll down the homepage and there's a place there for you to drop Beautiful. it. And you get immediate access to that training. Two thumbs up for pop-ups. They work. (laughs) (laughs) I love them. (laughs) Wonderful. 
Jim, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing with us a little bit more insight than we probably had before we started about trade shows, their value, and what we need to do to make them be successful for us. Really appreciate having you here today. Oh my gosh, Sue, this has been an absolute blast. The time goes so fast. So fast. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just one last plug. Get over to my website. I have over 180 episodes on every aspect of trade shows. And just like Sue, you go to tradeshow.biz slash episodes and all 180 episodes are on one page by category. So you can go right in there and figure out marketing, displays, promo items, any of that stuff. And you can find the, the right episode for you. Excellent. Perfect. More free learning about trade shows coming your way right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Jim. Take care. Thank you, Sue. It's been an honor. Have we piqued your interest in trade shows? If you're serious about wholesale, it's definitely worth not just considering, but doing. Remember to watch Jim's video training on the seven questions to ask to find the right show. To do that, go over to tradeshowyou.biz and sign up for Jim's email newsletter. It's right there on the homepage. And from there, you'll receive the video. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to show support, a rating and review is always fabulous because it helps get the show seen by more makers. It's a great way to pay it forward. And there's another way where you can get something tangible in return for your support too. Visit my merch shop for a wide variety of inspirational items like mugs, journals, water bottles, and more featuring logos, images, and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. Makes a great gift too. And we've just added some new products for the season to the shop. Turnaround is quick and the quality is top notch. Nothing but the best for you. <laughs> Take a look at all the options at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All proceeds from these purchases helps go to offset the cost of producing the show. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.